And when I was uh, at the end of my freshman year, and uh, at Baylor, long story short, came to end, the end of my rope, addicted to stuff, selfish, pride, empty, and uh, I just realized one morning, basically, my life is a joke the way I'm living it. So I can either continue to live my life the way I'm living it, or I can walk with Jesus. I had had encounters with God over the years before, but never really known Him. And so that day I just decided, you know what, I'm, I'm going to follow Jesus and, and, give, and give this a shot. So I started following Jesus, grew, started growing in Him, and I became a part of a church in Waco called Antioch Community Church, and met some people that were my age and decided the same thing. What if we really did try to follow Jesus? And I went through college, uh, growing in God. I did what we call a discipleship school that our churches do um, all around the United States. Uh, we're one of about 30 churches here in the United States, kind of under this family, Antioch, and there's about 50 teams, other teams around the world. And uh, we have these things called discipleship schools. I did that after graduating, or after that. Uh, Heather and I got married, and then we moved about 100 miles down the road from Waco to a little town called College Station, Texas. And, uh, and I went uh, on staff at the Antioch Church we have there. Rose was born there at College Station. And then this past May, we moved the whole fan here back to Indianapolis. We believe God invited us to Indianapolis to uh, start this church. And we're going to be here. And uh, so it's been, it's been a great, great road uh, the last seven years walking with Jesus. And uh, if you're wondering how to make a long story short, that's how you do it. Right there. So there's a lot of details, but I just wanted to let you know a little bit about me. So since uh, we're all new here this morning, before we get started, I'm just going to throw some stuff out there and just talk about, you know, how, how's this going around here? What do we do thing? What do we do here? I just want you to know, I am a firm believer in the church is a participation sport. So, and everybody plays. So if you show up, you're ready to play. So we're going to have a good time uh, this morning. So that means whether you're serving, whether um, it's during the sermon, whether it's during worship, whether uh, it's during the week, I just want you to jump in to what God's doing in your life and encounter Jesus um, in a powerful way. So you can jump up and down, sit down, shout me down while I'm preaching. If we say something good, go ahead and give it an amen. Yes, Lord, that'll preach. Point to your neighbor, say she needs that. If you know she does. I was uh, somewhere just uh, the other week, and I was in the middle of saying something. This woman just looked at me, and she said, oh, you know that's right. And I was like, yes, ma'am, I hope so. And it was good. So, so we like to be family around here, so feel free to have a good time at church. This is family. Can I get an amen to that? Amen. All right, good. I don't know where your background is, but that's how we roll around here. So we're going to have a good time. So I believe that if you're here this morning, there's a great opportunity. There's a great opportunity uh, for you to encounter Jesus more than you're planning on, more than you've ever hoped for, and that you have a chance to leave pretty different than the way you showed up, even if you weren't planning on it. And I believe there's a great opportunity for you. You, you. If you're not perfect, you're in the right spot. Any perfect people here. That's what I thought. So we're all in the same boat. We all need Jesus, and I think that's an amazing place to start as we start reading the Bible together. So go ahead and pull out your Bibles if you brought them. If you didn't bring one, uh, you pull out your phone. There's one on the internet. Or if you don't own a Bible, we've got some we would love to give to you to keep. So raise your hand. Our beautiful hosting is going to be handed to the house. If you don't own a Bible and you want one, raise your hand. There you go. We've got a few of them. Just raise your hand. Raise them up. Raise them up. And we want to give this to you so you can take it home and have a Bible with you. So if you've got your Bible, I'll go ahead and also take out something to take notes. Something to take notes. Everybody go ahead and grab a notebook, your phone, a piece of paper that was in your seat. You're going to want to know, take notes uh, for, for two reasons. The first reason is, uh, this might get good. You might want to write something down. God's going to speak something to you. And you're going to think you're going to remember it, but you're not. 
So you don't want to write it down because by the end of lunch you'll forget that really awesome thing you swore you'd never forget. So you don't want to write it down. That's reason number one why you want something to take notes with. The second reason is this could get really boring for you. And uh, I'm giving you an out. You got something to doodle with. I'll see you. I think, I'll think this is going great. Bro, they're really writing it down and you're just drawing something special, making business plans and changing the world while I'm up here gathering. So either way, it's a win-win for all of us. So get some notes, get out your Bible, and uh, we'll see what God does. Like I said, when I, when I decided uh, in college, that's when I decided in college, I was going to start following Jesus. And when I decided to follow Jesus, I had this realization. Like I said, one day I realized the way I'm living life is a total joke. Um, and it wasn't this, like, dramatic thing. It was actually a really sober moment where I just realized, like, I kind of suck life out of people. I don't really give much to anybody. And I'm empty on the inside. I'm addicted to all kinds of stuff in life. I'm empty on the inside. So again, I'm gonna I'm gonna follow Jesus because the life that I'm living sure isn't working. And, but growing up, I, I had believed in God I, my whole life. I think I, I had gotten saved when I was real little, but never really walked with Him. And um, sorry, I got to put here. Uh, I never really walked with him, and I had always learned to respect him and respect the Bible and know the rules and all that kind of stuff. So I'd read the Bible before, but when I started reading the Bible again um, at, at about 19 years old, I, I kind of had this interesting realization. I had this realization that if this right here is true, then this changes everything. This changes everything. If if this if, if God is who this says he is, if I am who this says that I am, if I really am called to be and do what this says I am called to be and do, and if you are called to be and do what this Bible says about you, if this is really true, then this changes everything. This is way more than like nice Sunday church. This is way more than some cute morality or higher thinking or nice, perfect religion. This is way more than that. If this is true, this changes yeah. everything. Yeah. This changes everything. So we're going to be kicking off our church with a little series called This Changes Everything. So go ahead and write that out on the top of your notes. This Changes Everything, part one. I don't know how many parts there are going to be, but I know for sure we're doing it right now. Probably doing it next week, so there's two. We'll see how that about after that. This changes everything, part one. Look at your neighbor, touch him on the shoulder, and say, This changes everything. That was not very participatory. <laughs> Tap your neighbor and say, Hey, this changes everything. There you go. There you go. So whatever God's gonna make it really easy for you. The very first page, Genesis 1. Genesis 1. Probably don't even need a table of contents for that, but if you do, I won't judge you, but your neighbor will. That's right. And uh, if, if you open up your Bible, if you're wondering if you have a Bible, maybe you just got a Bible and you're wondering, what do I do with this thing? The Bible's being handed out. They've got some resources in them to help you learn how to read the Bible and hear from God. So check those out, or you can go to our website, anyakindy.com, go to our resource page, and we've got a few things there to help you learn. Uh, what does it look like to start reading this Bible? And if this changes everything, how do I get to know God? Alright, so go check that out. Open up to uh, page one of your Bible. Genesis chapter one. If you're there, say, I am there. Look at me, I can't even find page one. 
Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 through 3. I'm going to go ahead and read it. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. Let there be light, and there was light. I love you, uh, and maybe growing up in school, you notice that your teachers really like having guest speakers in that uh, kind of went along with the curriculum that you were going through. Uh, maybe it went, uh, in history, when we're talking about World War II, they would really like to have a World War II veteran come in, right? And tell stories. Um, because it's one thing to read in a textbook, but when you read about D-Day in, in the textbook, it's one thing. But when somebody stands up in front of you and starts telling you stories and is like, you read about it, but I was there. And this is what it was like. It's different, right? Yeah. It's different when you hear about D-Day from somebody who was there. Or growing up when you're real little, you're learning about civil service and have a police officer, a firefighter, a elected official come in and tell you about what that's like. It's different reading about it uh, than hearing about it from somebody who was there. And uh, a few weeks ago, uh, this summer, you know, we're new to town, starting this church, and uh, I'm, just, I'm, a, I'm a big learner. I like to learn uh, a lot from, from people and all of that kind of stuff. And I was at Chick-fil-A one day with my family. It's going to sound like a really awkward situation to some of you, but hey, it happened. So uh, we're at Chick-fil-A, and uh, there's this older African-American gentleman sitting over there by himself. And I'm thinking, our world's crazy right now, right? Especially with the whole race thing going on. And I was like, listen, I walked up to him and introduced myself, and we talked for a second. I just threw it out there. I said, hey, man, here's the deal. I'm new to town, and I'm just going to throw it out like what it is and call it, call it what's happening right now. I'm a young white dude, and I only know what it's like to be a young white dude. And you're an older black man. What in the world is it like being you in our world right now? And I was like, what's going to happen? But he was super gracious, and he was like, wow, nobody's ever asked me that before. Uh, but we, uh, he was like, let's get together and talk about it. And I was like, thank you, Lord, that that went well. That could have gone bad. I was like, if I was him, I don't know what I would have said. But uh, anyways, he, he pulled together actually one of his friends, and we got together later that week at Chick-fil-A, and got some lunch, and I was able to ask them questions. What do, what do you see happening in the world? I mean, what's it like? You know, they, and they started telling me they grew up in the 50s and the 60s and the 70s. And they started telling me things that I had heard before, but they were there. And uh, it was different when I used to read about riots where there was dogs and fire hoses than talking to these guys who like, I was there with the dogs and the fire hoses. It was different. And uh, there was different reading about Martin Luther King Jr. marches and, and talking to these guys and having them say, no, I was there. I was there when that happened. And this is what was going on. And this is how I see it compared to what's happening now. It was a fascinating fascinating experience to talk to these guys and here because it was different because what? Because they had been there, right? They were there. Reading about it was different than them being there. So it was a really, really powerful situation for me and, and, and I think that the Bible here in Genesis 1 verse 1 which starts out with some of the foremost significant words ever spoken from heaven, ever recorded on earth. And what are those four words? In the beginning, God. In the beginning, God. Not in the beginning, the United States. Not in the beginning, Donald Trump or Hillary Clinton. Not in the beginning, our culture. Not in the beginning, me or you or my feelings or my opinions or my preferences. Not in the beginning, my story. Not in the beginning, rich or poor, poverty uh, or fame or obscurity. Not in the beginning, any of those things. Not in the beginning, my passions, my dreams. My, no, in the beginning, God. In the beginning, God. And so I figured, 
hey, we're going to get this church started. Let's get started off right. If the eyewitness to life, if the eyewitness to the universe, time, and existence is indeed God, if in the beginning God and only God, then God indeed is aptly named. Amen? He is aptly named God. And not only is He rightfully named God, but you and I are rightfully not. Not only is He rightfully named God, but you and I are rightfully not. Now, I'm saying all of this because uh, I'm not God and my feelings and my preferences and your story and your circumstances and your culture and my political preference and our nation. If that's all not God, if God is God, then that means something. If God is God, then that is significant for our life. I'm saying this because there is so much confusion in our world. There is so much confusion in our world about what is uh, right or wrong or right side or left side or straight or crooked or different or off or this or come on now. What's white? What's black? How's this work? How's that work? What do I do with my life? What do I do with my circumstances? What do I do with the hurt that I have? What do I do with all of these things? There's all of this confusion that we have in life and fewer and fewer people are truly coming before God with humble hearts. And with hungry hearts, and said, well, in the beginning, not me, not my soul, in the beginning, God. So let's see what God has to say. Let's see what God has to say. And let's let God clearly and accurately determine what life is about. How life ought to be lived. What's really going on? Too many people are asking, you know, they're, they're wrestling through this stuff. And maybe, maybe you love Jesus, and these are your friends in your life, and maybe it's your life. And, you know, they're wrestling through with these current issues and they're saying, well, well, what does God have to do with any of that? What does God have to do with my money? Well, maybe he made all things. I don't know. Well, what, what does God have to do with my life? Well, he was there in the beginning. What does God have to do with sexuality? Well, he came up with it. I, I don't know. Let's, I, I'm not saying what's right. And what, I'm just saying let's go. Let's go to God, right? Let's talk to the one in the beginning. What I'm saying is, is that if in the beginning God, then this changes everything. This changes everything. So if we're going to have church, then we're just going to have church. So we're going to, we're going to shoot it pretty straight. So um, uh, we're just going to go for it here. And I, uh, I'm, I want to pose a simple question here that I want you to write down. I want you to take it with you. I want you to think about it this week. I think it's going to be worth spending some time thinking about thinking about this question. And, and I'm a pretty direct guy. You'll, you'll learn that about me. If you keep coming out, we become friends. So I like to put things direct. Because sometimes I hurt feelings. And I'm sorry. It's never the point. It's just I say it. I don't know. You know these people? Do you have friends like that? Hopefully so you can understand. All right. So I'm just going to put it this way. How much of the confusion in your life is because the God of the beginning isn't the God of your life? How much of the confusion in your life might just go away if the God of the beginning was allowed to be the God of your life? It's a tough question, but I think it's good. I think it's a good question to think about. Because what I'm trying to say is that in the beginning of your life, the beginning of your struggle, the beginning of your marriage, the beginning of your parenting, in the beginning of your career, in the beginning of your feelings, in the beginning of your circumstances, he was there. He was there. 
you weren't alone, starting out to figure it out, he was there. I think sometimes we wonder, where's God? Maybe he really has been there the whole time. When's God going to show up? He is there. He's been there. He's the God of the beginning, and in His grace, He's ready to be the God of your life. And you can know Him. Somebody needs to know today that He's there, and He's been there, and He's always going to be there, and He's been there since the beginning. In the beginning, who? God. In the beginning, God. In the beginning, God. I'm not going to have a bunch of nice, clean points this morning, so we're just going to roll with this here. So just write down what you like. We're just going to move on through these passages, sort of phrase by phrase. Is that all right? Even if it's not, we're going to do it, so I don't want to mess with So what's God doing? In the beginning, what's God doing? He's not twiddling his thumbs in the beginning of your life, of your situation, of existence. He's got something to do, right? In the beginning, what? God created in the beginning, God created. When I say confusion, I think that this verse, uh, that verse 2 here we're about to read, puts really great picture language to, uh, to confusion and what confusion looks like. Verse 2, it says, The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And somebody talks to me, doesn't life kind of feel like that sometimes? Formless, void, deep, and dark. What are we doing? Life can sort of really feel like that. It's, it's covered in darkness. You just can't quite seem to find a way. It's pretty dark in here in this border. Maybe the situation that you're in is dark. I mean, we've all been here. I think this is honestly, we're real with ourselves. This is how we feel when we're trying to make a decision in life. We try to put on a face. I'm super confident. This is totally what I should do. But on the inside, it's like, let's flip a coin. Because who knows? Who knows? It's pretty, pretty formless. It's pretty void. It's pretty dark and it's pretty deep. There's a lot of layers. Life, life can really, life can really feel like this. I'm flipping a coin on how I, how I just stay married. I think I know what I'm doing. But parenting? Are you kidding me? Nice. You wrote a book. What about my kids? I'm not the only one that stopped that thing. Apparently. Amen. Life is kind of sometimes this formless amoeba that we're trying to grab a hold of, and it's sand slipping through our fingers. And it's just, ah, you feel like you got to grasp on it, and then, bang, something changes. And there it goes, slipping through your fingers again. I talk about a hopeless situation here in verse 2 in the earth, but this might be what your life looks like sometimes. It is literally empty nothing. I mean, formless, void. And this can be the extent of our hope sometimes. On our inside. We may not tell anybody, but it's like, man, this is formless, and this is void, and this is dark, and this is deep. And I don't know what your Bible version is. In the ESV, you'll see there's a period at the end of that sentence. And you're like, yes. That's the extent of my hope. This is where I'm at. This is where my life is at. This is what marriage looks like. This is how I feel about money. I'm always going to be in debt. I'm always going to have... Whatever it is, this is formless and void, and that's the end of the sentence. This is the situation, period. Like I said, in some of your Bibles, there's a period there. In some of your Bibles, there might be a comma. But what I do know is that regardless of your punctuation, the next word is and. And. Look at your neighbor and say there's an end in your life. I want you to write this down. When you see an end, God speaks an end. When you see an end, God speaks an end. It's a powerful end that God speaks here. 
in verse 2. It's a big and that God speaks here. And in the end of your situation, God speaks an and, and this and changes everything. Because yes, things are tough right now, and you're struggling, you're addicted, you're, you're hopeless, and this is the situation, and I don't know what's going on, and there seems to be a period, but you're not alone. It might be the end of your sentence, but it's not the end of your story. The end might be the end of your, story, of your situation and of your sentence, but it's not the end of your story. You're not alone. You're not without hope. And I've got something to say that maybe um, it's not you and your family like you thought it would be in the situation. Maybe it's not you and that husband you've been looking for. Maybe it's not you and that girl that you just been really hoping would come around. It might not be you and the money that you need. It might not be you and the job that you used to have but you don't have anymore that was really uh, really helping you out. It might not be you and the best friend that just walked away. It might not be you and, but the Bible says that in your formless void and in your darkness deep, dark, darkest deep, you might not have all of those things, but you are not alone. It is you and the Spirit of God. It is you and the Spirit of God. It says, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. God's with you. God's with you. And when you see an end, I want you to know today God speaks to me. And the Spirit of God. And the Spirit of God. So he's there, he's in the darkness, he's in the darkness with you. You're not alone. There's hope. There's hope. Might not look like what you thought it was, but there's hope better than you were looking for. And what's God doing? What's God doing in the darkness? Verse 3, first three words, and God what? Said. And God said. God is there in your situation, and he's speaking. He's there and he's not quiet. He's not aloof. He's there and he's speaking. The question is, are you listening? Are you listening? I want you to be encouraged that he's there and I want to challenge you to listen. I want to challenge you to listen. I think in our lives we have this incessant need for noise, right, and motion. When nothing's going our way, we want to run to food, we want to run to Instagram, we want to run to the cigarette, to the best friend, to the old relationship, to that phone number, to that website. I need to fill this formless void with something. But we've been filling it for too long with stuff that doesn't work. It's not going to be that next car. It's not going to be that next job. It's not going to be that next girl. It's not going to be that. We try to fill it. It's formless and it's void and you feel alone, so you try to fill it with something you can fill it with, but God is there. You're not alone and He's speaking. Are you listening? Don't rush. To fill the void in your life with something else. I want to invite you into a life of taking some time to sit still. Be quiet. When you don't feel like you can the most, take a breath, chill, listen. Listen, he's speaking. Give it some time, give it some space, and just see what God might say. Are you spending time with Jesus? Are, you might be a Christian here today and you've never heard that. Are you, are you spending time with Jesus? Maybe God didn't say you just to do stuff for What if he really does want to speak into your life? Are you talking to God? I see it in all of our lives. We run to everybody else's voice but God's. We run to the blog. We run to the Facebook posts. We run to the podcasts. We run to the, the person who's got all the education. Education is great, but it's still not God. We can go to God and these people, God and this podcast, God and these things, right? 
But sometimes we do all these things we do in, inside of God. I want to encourage you, are you listening? Don't just come to church. Spend some time listening. Spend some time listening. We can get everybody else's thoughts on what's going on, but in the beginning, God, He is speaking. And He wants to speak into your life. I want you to believe today that He's in the formless space, He is in the void, He is hovering over your darkness, and He is ready to speak to you if you will listen. If you will listen. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless, without form of void and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said what? He said, let there be light. Talking about God speaking to us, and I think I ask this question sometimes as a pastor, people ask me this question a lot. Well, okay, that sounds cool, but nobody's ever told me, one, that God speaks to me, and two, that sounds weird, and three, how do I know if God's speaking to me? How do I know? There's no voices. There's so many voices. There's my voice, my conscience, there's my sin, there's my circumstances. There's my mom, and there's my dad, and there's my friend, and there's the news, and there's the Facebook, and there's the, Woo! There's a lot of voices. Can I get an amen? How do I know which one is God? Well, when God speaks, what does he create? Light. Is the word that's coming into you, is it creating some light in your life? Is it creating some hope, some vision, in some direction? Is it, or is it creating condemnation? Is it creating uh, a, a pain? Is it creating hurt? Is it creating destruction? Because that's not God. Because when God says, He says, let there be light. He doesn't say, let there be you working harder. Let there be you being more perfect. Let there be you figure it out. Let there be you screwed it up again. No, let there be light. Psalm 119 says, the word of God is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Seek the Lord and he will light your path. How do I know if it's God? Is it bringing light into your life? The confusion in our world and in your life isn't for a lack of God speaking. It might just be for a lack of us listening. God is present. He's able to create in your chaos. Are you willing to listen? And the end of verse 3 says, Let there be light, and there was light. I love the finality of the Word of God. When God says, Let there be light, chaos, listen to Yes, sir. Because it knows who's talking. I'm no, I'm not a match for God. Sometimes we think we're a match for God. But I don't know about right now. What took you so long? I wouldn't do it like that. Why don't we just get in line with chaos and say, Yes, sir. I'll do what you say. Let's see what light happens. Amen? Amen? Not everybody's ready for that, but some of you were. God said, let there be light, and there was light when he speaks. Let's do what he says. All right? Come on, you can smile at that one. okay. It sounds like that Genesis 1, 1 through 3, there, there are amazing verses here that reveal incredibly uh, significant truths about God to us. But even in these verses, God wasn't done showing us how incredible He is and how much He loves you and how much He wants you to know Him for who He really is. Genesis 1, 1 through 3 are incredible, and if they're true, then they change everything. But they're not the end of the story, even in how incredible these verses are. Thousands of years later, and generations of humanity through time, we found ourselves in another spot in the Bible, in the book of John, chapter 8. In the book of John, chapter 8. Why don't you go ahead and turn there? 
because I'm pretty sure I told the production team the wrong verses here. So it's probably not going to be on the screen. Oops. Oops. John chapter 8. Let me in John chapter 8. And, and there, there are verses 1 through 11 here. And there's a story going on. And what happens, I'm just going to summarize it pretty quickly here. And what's happening in the story is that there's some, some super legalistic people and religious people that are wanting to mess with Jesus. So what they do is they do something completely ridiculous. And they go find a prostitute. And uh, they, they, they catch her right in the middle of doing her business. And they drag her... Uh, you know, they drag her completely humiliatingly. They drag her through the streets and straight to church where Jesus is in the middle of a sermon. Can you imagine? Can you imagine if some folks roll up in here with that going on? This is, what happened. This is what's happening in John 8, verses 1 through 11. And at the middle of the church, in verse chapter 4 of John chapter 8, it says, it says this. It says, they said to him, being Jesus, teacher, this uh, this woman has been caught in the act of adultery. Now, now in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women and to kill her, to wipe her out right here in the church. So what do you say? Then they said this to test him, that they might have some charge to bring against him. So Jesus, he bent down, and he wrote with his finger on the ground, and as they continued to ask him, he stood up and he said to them, all right, well, let him who uh, is without sin among you be the first to cast the first at once he bent down and began to write and began to write on the ground again. But when they heard it, they went away one by one, beginning with the older ones. And Jesus was left alone with the woman, standing before him. Her and Jesus. Everybody's gone. It's just her and Jesus, God in the flesh. The prostitute caught in the act named God. You think God can't stand to be around your sin? And Jesus said to her, Woman, where are they? There's no one can live. She said, No one more. No more. And Jesus said, Thanks. Mm-hmm. 
so in a second, I'm going to invite you to come up and just get with somebody to pray for you. You don't need to tell them your whole story. They're not here to be your counselor. They're not, I mean, you can talk and all that kind of stuff. We're going to seek God because in the beginning, God. So there's a few ways that we might be here. As part of the world here today, you might be a Christian. Maybe you've been walking with God for a while, but it's been a long time since you listened. It's been a long time since you obeyed. It's been a long time since you believed. And yes, I'm saved, but is He really with me? And you just need a reminder. You need somebody to come up and say, I can't hear it for myself, but I need somebody to be the presence of God for me right now as His body. You might be here today and realize, I, I don't have the light of life. Jesus, maybe you've never heard about Him, maybe you have, but you know, right now, I'm just stuck in a formless void with my life and my decisions and my situation. Today's the day. Today's the day to give your life to Jesus. You need to come and you need to submit to God. <laughs> Because he's ready. He hasn't been trying to beat you up this whole time. He's calling you. He's bending down. Today you may need to give your life to Jesus and decide today I'm following him because those who follow after him will have the light of life that need him. Humble yourself. Don't care what anybody else thinks. It'll change everything. But you have the light of life that we're looking for. Maybe you're here today and there's a circumstance, there's a sickness, there's an illness, there's a situation. And you need God to believe in miracles. God, you're weird with your body, your mind. We're going to see miracles. I want you to come on up and have somebody pray with you. If there's too many people, we'll, we'll get to you. If, there's not, if you're the only one, it's worth it. One hungry person was in the crowd, and she was the one who wasn't supposed to be. Right? Don't worry about what the religious people think. What are they going to think about my marriage? What are they going to think about? Forget them. Go be with Jesus. So I'm going to pray for us, and we're going to be led in more some of our worship team. I want you to come you, anyone listening, just come on up, sit out of the aisle, just come on, come on up. If that's you, come on up, come on, pray for us. Don't leave without getting what you need. Don't leave. Don't do it. Come do it. See, you're not going to be enough. We'll pray for us as we sing one more song together. Jesus, we love you. We invite you, Holy Spirit, to move in our hearts, to move in our lives. Pray that we see you in a fresh way. We pray the power of God over every single person in this situation right now. But I thank you for what you're doing, what you're speaking, that you speak light in the dark situations that we can trust in when you move. We worship you, Lord. We're excited to be with what you've been doing in the last four minutes. In Jesus' name.